Hello and welcome to They Just Get It. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm, and I'm very excited because this is our first one of the new year. We're in, I can actually say 2020 now. I know. It's like the clarity. Like, I know. <laughs> Don't, I'm sitting here with Miss Kim Orleski. Good morning, Kim. How are you? Morning. I am doing so well. It's um, it's a beautiful, uh, snowy day. It <laughs> is. There was like a snow globe this morning for a little bit. I walked out of the house not expecting it to be like a mini blizzard, but then my yeah. time to work, it stopped. <laughs> yeah. So Kim, you're the president of KO Advantage Group, and you and I have had the privilege to meet, you know, off and on a couple times over the past few months, and of course, now that I've met you, I know a whole bunch of people that know you, and it was really <laughs> exciting to have you on the show and tell a little bit of your story. So maybe let's just start. What is KO Advantage Group, and we'll go from there. Yeah, we are one of the fastest growing sales training companies uh, across Canada and the U.S., and we focus on more habit formation when it comes to sales skills. Uh, the other things that we focus on are the role emotional intelligence and empathy takes place in in the business-to-business sales conversation, um, storytelling, and really creating higher value for your clients. Fantastic. Well, that's, how, long, how long have you been running the business? It's uh, The official birthday for the company was about two years ago. I've been doing this type of thing for about four years, and I had almost a decade of corporate sales experience. Which was, no, I, of course, I creeped on your LinkedIn like yeah. any good interviewer. <laughs> go, I'm, it's so easy to be a professional creeper now. You just go, and it's like it's, it's there. I, a LinkedIn it makes things so easy. Like I said, there's no other social media platform in the world where you're like, here's everything about me. And, you know, and they encourage that. Absolutely. I feel it's also one of the ones that kind of hasn't, you know, this is an old saying, but kind of jumped the shark. Like Facebook, it's like, I know so many people like, oh, I hate Facebook. And yeah. I don't know anyone who says I hate LinkedIn. I don't know any like people like, ah, Twitter, I'm, I'm bored of it and I don't want this. Or Instagram is too many ads. Where LinkedIn still seems to be consistently adding value, especially in the business community. Like it is a make or break for it, me. It is. I mean, you, I mean, that's that's the biggest thing is that you have to create value in, in LinkedIn. Um, the the other thing is it really gives people the opportunity to show the best of them. Whereas you know, I find like Facebook is, you know, very much a facade either on that side of time or half of the posts that you read are very negative and you're like, okay. A lot know, of I'm, ranting. There's a lot of ranting. There is. And I don't have any interest in that. I know. <laughs> I, I was like over the, the Christmas break, I was like, I, I'm friends with these two different people and they obviously did business together. And one person's like complaining about the person and the other person's complaining about the person. I'm like, oh my, I'm like, I feel really uncomfortable. I feel like I'm in the middle of, you know, some high school. And they were doing that openly on (laughs) on Facebook. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm old school. If I'm going to have an issue with you, I'm going to pick you up and give you a call. Yeah. I'm not going to go tell 10 people that you know. I'm certainly not going to put it on social media. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, I don't want to see your trauma. Go away. <laughs> and of course I, I, I creeped on your LinkedIn, which yeah. is very well curated. I appreciate that. But so you didn't wake up and, as an entrepreneur, you spent some, a lot of time in the corporate world. I did. Learning your craft, I would imagine. I, I did. You know what? And the funny thing was I never thought that that was going to be my craft. Interesting. I, I took university to be a finance major. I wanted to sit in front of spreadsheets all day long. I'm a super okay. analytical person. I, I, you know, people don't know this about me. I do a lot of public speaking, but I'm also very introverted as well. And so I enjoy, you know, intimate conversations, but if I'm on stage, I, I want to jump back, but I love sitting in front of a spreadsheet all day long and I could sit there and figure that out. And through chance and circumstance, I was given an opportunity to go work for Xerox at the time. And I thought, well, you know what, let's just try something new. And nice. how, I, how old were you when you started working at Xerox? 23 years old, which at the time felt so old. But today, because <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking so young. <laughs> 
it's all about where you're at in the world. <laughs> well, I know. I like I look on it now, and I'm like, oh my goodness. I'm like, you know, like what was I? How were they even hiring me at that age? Right? Like I knew nothing about the world. Uh, but at the same just time, just nothing but opportunity ahead of there you. There was, you know, I remember having this one conversation with this brand new client, or they had actually they were a Xerox client, but I was their new rep. And the gentleman was so upset that like they brought in this young person. He's like, what are they doing? I'm bringing in this young person. I said, well, obviously Xerox had enough confidence in me to trust that I was going to take care of you. So I hope that you decide that you have enough trust in them to know that they put the so right you just, person. You just, you went right oh, at I just, it. I totally spun it, you know? So we're not, I don't think we're totally surprised that they hired you at 23. <laughs> I'm assuming your personality has not has only evolved and grown and grown since then. It, it, it has, you know. I, I mean, there was one thing that I we were we were offline. We were talking a lot about Oprah, and uh, one of the things I remember watching on Oprah was she talked about you know the moment you hit forty. She's like, there's this this transition that you just become so confident with who you are as a person, and you just really stop caring about other people. And I, I'm not quite forty yet, but I start to feel that that is much more of me you know I'm I'm okay making mistakes and I'm okay you know maybe not saying the right thing but I'm also a lot more cautious and I walk with a certain level of how does if I say something about someone or something how does that actually reflect back on me Right. And, you know, well, you and start I, to think a little bit beyond the moment and going, what are the, like, if I run this graph out at least another 20 minutes, I'm going to start to see that there's, there's impact. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, yeah, there's, there's the consequences uh, getting of Getting older but, is, it's got, it's, it's got its upsides. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing. And on, on the flip side though, it's also that, you know, I, I also look at it uh, in the way where, when I am talking to people, I'm like, okay, what are their, like, no, not in a negative way, but not what are their intentions, but always assuming that they have the best intentions, mm-hmm. right? that, you know, in general, I believe that people want to see others succeed. We want to help others out. Uh, one, I mean, you know, we're, we'll talk about sales here in a little bit, but I mean, one of the best openers for a client that you want to get into is actually like asking for help, right? How can you help me with this? Or how can, you know, how can I get this, you know, to help you? Uh, uh, well, that co-solutioning pro- process, you know, in sales, and there's a lot of good articles that yeah. we're, yeah, we're going to go down and turn this into a sales yeah, yeah. podcast, which I know is your pet. You're lighting up right now as we're like, talking. You can hear listen when I talk about sales. Yeah, I've read some interesting. It was Arbor's Business Review, and they talked about the the, the co-solutioning process. Yeah. Versus, they said also they said there's an evolution that was happening. It was a, the, I read this last year, and they talked about the fact that as companies and individuals in companies become much more overwhelmed by their choices, that are there's there's no lack of SaaS platforms you can buy or consulting you can get. So they said that there is a shift away from consultative co-solutioning to being a little bit more prescriptive because the client's actually looking for you to give them more answers or at least narrow it down for them because they're so overwhelmed. So it was an interesting shift of, they showed some statistics of salespeople that were much more predictive. And I forget, I think it was in SaaS. Um, that's the one I'm going to pick. They said versus the co-solutioning, like, hey, we can do anything. It's like, no, tell me what I should do because I'm friggin' overwhelmed over here. Yeah. So even understanding back to empathy, where they're actually at. Yeah. Well, you know, I think you need to take it even, you know, just even before that because nobody's going to take the prescription that you prescribe them without understanding, do you truly understand me? And, and yes, you know, back to empathy. We, we do the analogy of like, you know, a doctor. And I said, you know, if a doctor, the unfortunate reality, I worked in medical sales for a year and I remember working, talking with this very high end dermatologist here in Calgary. And he said, you know, his appointments are seven minutes apart. And I said, seven minutes. And he goes, yeah, like he just moves them through. And I'm like, you know, I understand that you're a specialist, but you know, how does anybody truly know 
that you get them. And if we're looking at the same way, whether you are a business owner or, you know, a salesperson or wherever you are, as long as you're in a position where you're trying to help revenue generate and and build a company up, I mean, we shouldn't be looking at this as I can see what your problem is. Here's the prescription. Now go on your way. Mm -hmm. But rather, you know, well, tell me more about this and let me understand that. And, you know, it's about spending a certain level of care to understand that and then providing the solution. I don't care how much you know until I know how much you care. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There you go. Right. <laughs> I love like I'm like I know there's a quote out there somewhere. Oh you might be like the male version of me, right? Because I'm like I don't usually. We had this happen last time we chatted too. So so let me bring all this together. So these four words is that kind of yeah, right? yeah, yes. yeah, oh, perfect, yeah, great. I'm great. I can just sit over here and think yeah. of these things while you're chatting. So I don't want to skip past it. Talk to me a little bit about Xerox because I've heard okay. stories. I've had another guest on. She got her start. She went from being an emerge room nurse to top female and first female salesperson in Canada to reach the top in Xerox back in the 70s. Really? So I've heard these stories before. Yeah. Is it as legendary as I've heard from a sales training, like giving you that foundation? Like, was that the best education you could have received? Oh, hands down. Okay. Hands down. I've and heard I, that before. And I don't know if it's still the case, but when I first started, I mean, you know, it, there was, there's two ways they train you. Number one is, you know, the trial by fire school of hard knocks, right? Here's just what you go needed to go do, go do it. And they will give you a certain level of patience. Thank goodness, because I should have probably been fired in my first year there. <laughs> um, the, the other part of it was I had to go away for two weeks to go to sales school. Uh, the first week was, um, was entirely just learning the, and I think it was like a 10 step or 12 step sales process that Xerox had gone ahead and they did, they did their own research. Like, like Xerox is, um, and I don't know if it's still the case, but at the time they were one of the most like patented companies and they had more, they had a whole research center. I mean, they were like next door to Kodak and all these other companies and they really understood what a sales process looks like. And so they, that was the one thing that really excelled with them because there's a lot of companies that want to teach you sales, but unless you know, you know, the, the recipe behind it, it, it's not the same. And so, yeah, it was, it was unbelievable. They, it was really customer focused, you know, driven towards value. How do you sell a premium solution? Cause that was the other thing is that nobody buys a Xerox because it's the cheapest option. Nice. So you, what a great training to go in. Like not, you're not the discount provider. Oh, cause you, that's a very different, cause you're not really learning sales. You're just learning to give discounts. You, you couldn't be. And I mean, that, that ended up becoming my entire sales experience later on. I mean, I worked for American Express and nobody goes with American Express because it's the cheapest credit card in their wallet, right? Nobody. And then I worked for Purolator and nobody goes with Purolator because, you know, they're the cheapest place that you can ship package A to package B. I mean, at the end of the day, there's still a commodity behind that. I, you know, with Xerox, it was called speeds and fees, right? How fast does the paper go in? How fast does the paper go out? Right. But there was so, we had to tie in so much more behind that. Back to the storytelling. It had, and, it, and understanding the client. Understanding the client, back to the storytelling, you know, and it creating value out of the things that the client may have not realized was valuable at the time. So, you know, oh, in, in their case, I mean, it was, you know, how much uptime do you have and, you know, and, and what would happen if, and you, you would craft stories around these worst case scenarios and not a way that we would tell the client, but you would ask it in the form of a question so the client could tell you that because, when when somebody tells you something, it's their truth. When you tell somebody something, it's up for skepticism. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. well, you know, Tyler, like that happens to everybody, but that wouldn't be my situation, right? I'm unique and I'm different. Uh, yes, and, you um, know, I'm more I, resilient. I am my own unique butterfly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, 100%. <laughs> you know, that happens under that economic conditions and dot, dot, dot. Uh, you know, whereas, you know, when I ask you and you tell me, 
now I can use that information later on because, you know, all I'm doing is I'm relaying back what you've told me is your truth. Right. And while like, that, that, sound, that can sound a bit manipulative, but really at the end of the day, you're using it to provide the best solution. You, so, I mean, let, let's be clear here, right? I mean, we, we walk on a very fine line between manipulation <laughs> and sales. The, the difference being though, is are you, are you self um, reflective or are you helping them to the very best, right? Yep. Somebody who uses that information to help only themselves. Yeah. I mean, that's total manipulation. But I also feel people see through that very quickly. You get to do that once to somebody. <laughs> or, or if in the case of Donald Trump, right? <laughs> That's a whole, we don't have that much time on this podcast today to get into a commentary. It's way too early in the new year. I, I know, I know, I know. But there, you know, there are actually some really good books. Um, uh, what's his name? Scott, Adam Scott, who wrote the Dilbert comics. Uh, okay. One of my favorite books that I read last year was Win Bigley. And he did a, essentially a psychoanalysis of the 2016 election and why it was you know, set up. Um, in the, and it was actually just a really interesting look at from like the outside looking in. Yep. Um, so I big recommendation for so that win one. bigly win bigly yes. okay first book recommendation for <laughs> yeah, 2020 yeah. those 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 New Year's resolutions everyone has like I'm going to read more books I'm be a better version yeah. start with that go it, and go and grab it it's a fun one I mean especially if you're a, a lover of Dilbert comics uh, but the other thing is is Adam Scott is a uh, he's a trained hypnotist and so he looks at you know certain techniques that they that teach you in in yes. hypnosis in order to be able to to use it in, to be a very compelling speaker. Yeah. To convince people to yes. do things. I, a good speaker sounding trustworthy is a strategy. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean they're trustworthy. That's a whole other... I've done some learning. That's a dark world. It gets, it gets the world. very dark yeah. very fast. Hypnotic language, yeah. Ericksonian language, NLP, a lot of those things. There, mm-hmm. There's huge... I mean, one of the ones that uh, you know I, I like to throw out every now and then is by now you're likely thinking. It's a big hypnoto- uh, hypnosis line. But it, the reality is that we don't know when the thought entered our mind and when we actually thought it. And so when using that type of phrase, you know, people think, oh, why are you in my head? <laughs> I, I love it. The, the, the myth that our thoughts are our, are our own. Yeah. We are so easily influenced. Obviously, I work in marketing. We had, um, uh, do you know Jake? Jake Surrey? No. Uh, he said work nicer, but I'm not sure if you guys are at the same. But anyways, he's uh, from Fountain Partnership. They're a digital shop out of the UK. He's okay. in Calgary now. He's at work nicer, so I wonder if you guys are cross yeah. paths, but it doesn't matter. We had a we did a current and critical episode uh, last week. We launched a couple weeks ago on just the role that uh, Facebook social media plays in influencing people's decisions, specifically okay. around the elections. Okay. We talked about the election in the UK yeah, and yeah. how powerful it is. Yeah. And how cognitive bias and how whatever you click on or whatever you like, they'll just start feeding you more of that. Oh. And it's like, oh, see, see, I told you so. It's like, well, I don't know. Yes, but we're giving you that information that's going to just keep driving that bias home. So, oh my goodness. And that's at another level, but not to go down that dark, that dark yeah, conversation. Yeah, it gets really dark really fast though. And I think that's why, you know, more people are transitioning away from Facebook in general because... It seems to be you're hearing that more and more, but yet those are the same people that are still on it because they're still complaining about it. So that's another story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate <laughs> Facebook, but I'm on it right now. I know, I know. I'm the same way. <laughs> it's I very actually, addictive. I try to post less on Facebook and when I do, it's either just pictures of my, of my family because I think people like to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, or on it's, Facebook, yes. Yeah, that, that, I'd say that's a go-to medium for that. Yeah, and then, you know, or it's, you know, just like, you know, hey, what does everyone think of this or something, right? It's just to, to continuously post. But um, honestly, I, I, and, you know, I wish I, I wish I could leave it, right? They, they've done such a good job of creating I'm sure it there's as, a 12-step program somewhere. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I am a, no. Um, <laughs> so curious, You've decided to, you're 23 years old, yeah. the ripe age of the ripe young age, old in some eyes, young in others, <laughs> 23 to become a salesperson. 
Is there any, does your family go, what is she doing, sales? I heard a joke, you know, no one, no one as a child dresses up as a salesperson for Halloween. Oh my goodness, that's <laughs> it was so like, true. It's like, you know, you know oh, I want to be a, you know, was there any an issue? Did you ever have any challenges with that? Or were you always on your own path, independent, this is what I'm going to do? Or did people look at you and say, hey, why sales? Because it's such a powerful career, but it gets so looked down on from time to time. Yes. Depending on who you're talking about. You're not a doctor, you're not a lawyer, you're a salesperson. I, I know. And, you know, I don't know if I really got it from other people necessarily, Uh I did get it for myself though. Okay. I, I really struggled. Like, I mean, the first time somebody recommended a sales career to me, I actually, like, I thought like, oh my goodness, like, like, do you not see my resume? I'm university educated. Like I'm not a salesperson. And, you know, and there was, I mean, it's, it's so funny. I was doing a guest lecture at Mount Royal and they still have students that go through there and still consider salespeople to be your iconic Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross characters, <laughs> totally. even though yep. the movie yep. came out before they were born. Yes. And, you know, and so that's just how, how we still see it. And so I, I did, I struggled for a long time on understanding, you know, how do I truly help people? I read, a, I read and listened to a lot of Zig Ziglar, which helped to, to get nice. me through that. Yeah. Um, he, he's a big influence in a lot of our material and a lot of our course. Like he would be my guiding light when it it comes to how we train sales. But I, I struggled with it for a long time because I thought this is just a copier. This is just a copier. And it was, I was chatting with a client of mine and we were, I was having a conversation. I think I just sold them a copier and everything. And I said, like, you know, why did you choose us? Why did you go with this? And she said, Kim, it was just, it was more than just a copier for me. She goes, you know, you realize that when I print off someone's business cards, like that's how I make my money. That's how I afford to send my kids to school and how I, you know, and all of a sudden, right. like I, I started to cry and I realized I'm like, this was, I was looking at it from just this point in time, but there was so much more wrapped around it. And that's what we try to teach with our students is what is that journey? You might be working in, in marketing or project management or engineering or whatever it is. And you yeah, you're going to be working with somebody for a single project, but what happens after, you know, six months after a year after you've left, how has that impacted their life? And, and that really changed everything that and the money, I mean, the money was really good. <laughs> and at okay, 23, no, thanks for being I appreciate being honest. <laughs> Because I was like, I was looking at my accounting uh, colleagues, all these people that like left and end up working at like the big five accounting firms at the time. And, and that was a path I could have gone down as well. And I was like, I'm like, yeah, but I mean, like, you know, here they are making $35,000 and here I am now 25 and making my first like $100,000. Right. I'm like, so I think I'm going to stick with sales for a little while. A lot of people, if you're not in it, really underestimate the revenue earning potential of sales. Oh, it's, it's so Especially in massive. a B2, because you've always done sales in B2B, correct? I did. Yes. And you know, it's, it is. I, I think that we need to start encouraging more people to, to get into business development, sales uh, conversations, because it's not about flogging products. It's about human connection. Mm-hmm. And I would say now even more than ever, because I can go and research that copier myself. Yeah. I don't need you to walk me through and bring me the specs and I can do all that. But the solution and the interaction and the relationship, you still can't get that on uh, from the internet. You can't. You can't. And I, I do. I want need a human. I need a can someone send me a human, please? I, I do. I have one talk where I talk about, you know, artificial intelligence and the role it's going to play in the sales conversation mm-hmm. because we're starting to see that. And and the reality is, is that, you know, on any given week, you have interacted with some type of artificial intelligence and not even known it. And 
you know, it's going to continue to, to grow and expand, but we do need to go back and be more empathetic, more emotionally intelligent, more human connected. Well, arguably doing all the things that technology is incredibly poor at. Human connection, abstract ideas, empathy. Computers don't do that well. They do it. Oh. They're very linear. Well, There's a future. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's so far out in my opinion, but that's another story. I, anyways, I don't, I don't think you. it is. I, I honestly don't think it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just read an article uh, about these uh, Japanese people that own robot dogs mm-hmm. and how the robot dogs are trained to provide a certain level of companionship and empathy and to be able to hear tone, tones in the voice and the mm-hmm. robot dog will come. Uh, when we do the talk on, you know, including things like chat box on your website, mm-hmm. you know, it's about, you know, including including just certain phrases like, you know, that sounds frustrating. What brought you to our website today? Oh, you know, my provider's not working for me. That sounds frustrating. Even simple phrases like that mimic the level of empathy that you can in order to allow somebody to become much more open and transparent with where they are. So it's interesting, you know, and I I think the, the really, the biggest thing about when it comes to sales is that you have to be willing to be a psychologist at the end of the day, you right. have to be willing to, to listen and understand and ask really good questions. And, you know, and how does that feel? You know, I mean, we have a lot of engineers that go through our program and like, Kim, I can't ask, you know, somebody, how do that, how does that feel? How and does I'm that like, make you feel? You know, I'm like, I understand. I said, but practice it. I said, try it out. I said, you will be amazed by how much of an impact that creates. And time you mean, time are you again, telling me that engineers have feelings too? Oh my goodness. Oh, oh, they all argue we, with we me run that they in, don't. We, we run into that regularly <laughs> where we get the three page document that's written yeah. in eight point font. We're like, this is what we used to sell with. I'm like, okay, <gasps> let's go back to the human side. No, no, no. Everybody wants this. Yeah. I'm like, I don't, I disagree that everybody wants it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they might get there. You might get there in the relationship, but let's start with where they're at. Yeah. yeah. And no, it's it a just debate. gives them all the information. Like what more do they need? And being that we're both in Calgary, I think you run into it. This is a yes. town that has a lot of leadership teams that are built on financial people and engineers. Yes. Yes. And it's a very different linear way of thinking about things versus the soft side of human connection, which is what you're talking about. Well, you know, and, and the funny thing is, is, I mean, I, w- I wasn't that person when I first started sales. You Interesting. Know, I, I was, I was a well, financial. Well, you said you were a spreadsheet. I, I was a spreadsheet. The, the introvert, I can't, because I, I can't even picture that version of you. <laughs> it took a, it took a long time you to get You an introvert? What? I, I know, I know. Well, you know, it's, 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 so, I mean, today is not going to be so bad, but you know, when I'm, so for instance, if I have to go to like a three day conference, I mean, don't talk to me for two days afterwards. Because you right? need to Recharge. I, I yeah. need to recharge. Like I, I it, in especially if it's like one of those like where it's all day and then all evening. By the time I get to the evening, I'm either like I literally have to have like a glass of wine or something to help like you know bring it back out, right? Which is an unfortunate thing to say, but it's the truth is. <laughs> I appreciate or, your honesty. <laughs> I appreciate your honesty. Or the other thing is, is like you know I I struggle to to be there for those evening events because I I do I I struggle to just walk up to somebody and like you know and say you know hey how are things going and everything. Um, but, you know, I do it because I, I know I can do it. Um, I do it because I think that if I can do it, I will inspire other people to be able to do it. And when you ask, it's not about asking, telling somebody who you are and everything. It's just about being genuinely curious about them. And as long as I can, you know, start to ask them a lot of questions and beyond just like, so what are you doing here? What do you do? Right. But rather, you know, what, what brought you here or what was your favorite part of, of the conversation and start with something a little bit more specific. Mm-hmm. Now you can create a conversation. 
conversation. I like what you said earlier, and I think it's a good lesson for anyone listening. Because for some people, that is awkward. But yeah. you said you've practiced it. Yes. You've made a point of it. Yes. You didn't just wake up and go, I'm good at it or I'm bad at it. You're yeah. like, this is something I believe is going to get me the outcome I want. So I work at it and yeah. practice. And I think so often we underestimate or I talk to people and they're like, well, yeah, but that's just not who I am. Yeah. Give it a try. I know. I know. I, I, we talked about Zig Ziglar. One of my, I, I stole it from him, but one of my favorite uh, things that he says is he's like, you know, nobody ever picks up the baby and says, oh my goodness, this baby's going to be a salesperson. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> you know? And 100%, so, you know, yeah. like you, you, you're, you're not born that way. So you, you have to like, you know, get over it, right? You have to learn it and it's a skill. It is. And this is the biggest thing I want people to learn is that sales is a skill that you learn the yes. same way as Very you learn deliberate. a second language or the same as you would learn, you know, how to write really good ad copy. You know, I mean, all of it is you practice it. It's, it's going to be hard and awkward. And you probably and didn't suck. nail it the first time. Oh my goodness. I like, I sat at my desk when I worked at Xerox for the first like three days crying in front of this spreadsheet of listed of names of companies that I was supposed to call on because I had no idea what to say. And I, I searched every single company. And at the time, like only about like maybe half of them actually had websites back then versus not. Right. So your and ability to get access to information was has changed it, drastically. Hugely, hugely. And, you know, but it was like, I would go to these websites and it was like, I was almost looking for some flashing banner that would say like, hey, we're searching for a copy. We're in the market. <laughs> we're in the funnel to come and sell to us. You know? And that's not the case. And so it's, you know, how do you just, how do you just get to know people, right? How do you, you know, understand who they are? And this is why LinkedIn is such a phenomenal tool because you can still craft a really good story. I mean, if you've ever played the game where you've sat at a coffee shop and you've made stories about people, right? Like, you know, what are they talking about? Like, like, do that. Have fun with it. That's a fun game, actually. It's a yes. fun game. And I think we need to do a little bit more of that in business, not in a way where we're pigeonholing people, but have Ooh, fun with it, right? Ask, like, if I was that person, I mean, what what would be the thing that I would want to accomplish in the next 30 days, right? And then, okay, and so if I if that product and service aside, if that's what I want to accomplish in the next 30 days, how can I, as a person, as Kim or Tyler or whomever it is listening to this, help that person achieve that goal? And if my product or service becomes a part of that solution, great. And if it doesn't, they're going to be a client for life. Worst thing that happened is you built a good relationship. <laughs> yeah, right? If that's the downside, then what is the downside? Yeah. yeah it, it, there, I mean, there's, there's so much opportunity to, to do that. And I think it's such a, it's doing something with and for versus doing something to, oh. you know, that oh, I'm going to sell you something. No, 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 no. Like, no, you're not going to sell me anything. I'm yeah. going to buy something from you if it's the right solution. But how you come at me is going to make such a difference. It's, it, it sets well, it's up, everything. It's it everything. sets up tribes for life. You know, it sets up people that are going, to be with you. I mean, you know, we have, even in our own business, uh, we spend so much time understanding our buyer persona and understanding, you know, who do we want to approach? Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of my uh, students ended up saying, you know, one of the things that got them through is like, some will, some won't move on. You know, don't spend all your time, you know, trying to go after, you know, the person because they need your product or service. Well, trying to quote unquote, make them the right prospect. And I've seen salespeople do that. I've done that. (laughs) <laughs> like, let's, be, let's be honest there is this, no, this will be perfect but uh, if it's not it's not it's okay there's nothing more empowering than actually walking away from a deal or a client that you know was not going to be a, a good fit it sucks like it sucks at the yeah, time no, thanks for being honest <laughs> yeah. about that yeah <laughs> Yeah, like it's not. Oh, it's so fun, and I skip down the no. hall. No, it can be a real kick in the teeth. No, it is because you spent time and you've invested, and you know, and maybe they've even given you a verbal to tell you that they're actually going to go forward. Oh, the classic when oh. the, the, the young salesperson comes back, like I got the deal, and you're yeah. like, "Do you have the paperwork? Yeah. Not yet, but it's for sure." <laughs> yeah. You're like, 
Okay. Let's, so, let's so, hey, go back to the human side of this. It's being very real. How do you deal with, and maybe over the years you've come up with strategies, how do you deal with the roller coaster? The up and down, like the, the high of getting a deal, which is amazing. Yes. And the low of, of, of losing a deal. Yeah. You, you got, know, any, got any stories of where there was a real big one that you thought, maybe both, the, the big win and then maybe the big not, not, not so win? Oh, my goodness. I mean, I... When, when I worked for Xerox, I was uh, part of a team that we ended up closing one of the biggest deals that uh, the, it was the deal of the year is what it was that year. And I think it was probably the deal for a long time afterwards. Uh, and I mean, to put in perspective, my budget for the year, I think was like, I don't know, maybe a, a million, 1.1, something else like this. This deal that ended up being signed in my territory was worth $1.2 million. With one right? deal. With one deal. Like it was, it was unbelievably, you know, huge. And I mean, of course we celebrated that and, and there was, but there was so much work that needed to be done. How for long it. did it take to close that deal? Just curious. Versus a typical, a quote unquote, typical deal, whatever that is. Uh, I, I, yeah. I mean, the, the relationship was a long lasting nurtured relationship, but I would say from the moment that they were in active sales, cycle mm -hmm. to when they closed was probably like 60 days. Oh, wow. I, and I, and I'm a huge, to me that seems fast for a deal that and, was the biggest deal. Yes. But, but I'm a huge believer that it doesn't matter the size of the deal when you are in active sales cycle, right? Those like deals should happen within like, you know, 30, okay. 60, 90 days. And I, you know, and I have experience even from working for you know, American express where some of our deals were like $40 million and, you know, and some of these relationships you nurtured, for a long time. But right. It's, and the so, active sales, the, the nurturing versus the active sales but, cycle. To, good to split those into two different things. They are. Uh, okay, you yeah. know, because you, you'll yeah. see a lot of people that will be, let's say they are an active sales cycle and the sales cycle falls off. And then, you know, you're, you're still following up with the client 30 days, 60 days, 90 days later. Uh, but when you get to about 90 days, you're not in the same sales cycle that you were. A lot of things have changed in that 90 days that you need to pull yourself back. It's not like you can call someone up three months later. I, I've delivered you a proposal in January. I'm going to call you up in March and ask you, hey, Tyler, like, have you made a decision on that proposal? No, because the world has changed. The world has changed and you need to bring yourself back and, and have a meeting and everything. So, I mean, so that, I mean, that was, that was a great deal, right? I mean, of so that's a win. That's the high. What about the low? Huge wins. Um, there was a competitive client that I was desperately trying. I was, I mean, my ego was so tied into this win. This was at Xerox? This was at Xerox too. And I have lots of examples, but I'll, I'll use Xerox just to, as a comparison. Um, and they were a competitive client and I was so determined that I was going to be the one that, that transitioned them right from uh, the competitor over to, to Xerox. And we had worked with each other and everything else like this. Well, so your, your, your identity, you're tying oh, yourself to this. You're I was hooked like, right in. I, I was, I was so like, I'm like, okay. And so, you know, and they're, they're like kind of dragging me along and I should have seen the red flags from the beginning, but I didn't. Right. Oh, it's I was, amazing how smart we are when we look backwards. Oh my goodness. Right. And, and so, I mean, part of what we teach now is like properly lead qualify. Right. And then call a spade a spade when you see it. Uh, but you know, at the time it's just, you know, you just did whatever you needed to do. And so I was, I, I was determined to make this close. And we had, I think it was one of the vice presidents in town. And I said, I called up this client that I was determined that they were going to close. And I said, listen, I said, I have my vice president coming into town. Why don't we sit down and meet and just finalize the details to make this happen? And they said, yeah, okay. And I said, awesome. Right. Because I'm like, now I'm going to leverage like this big person that's going to be coming in. And we, we go into the, the office of this guy and within the first five minutes, he says, yeah, so we've already installed the new competitive equipment and everything. Like it was, he wanted to see my face as he told me this and I was so angry like, I saw red it I wanted to like throw the table and, like, and you, but you're sitting there with one of your VPs wow not only did you get the deal he threw salt in the wound a little bit too 
you know, and I'm just like, I'm like, you like, you dirty, like, and, uh, you know, and that was, I mean, that was a big, that was a big loss because I mean, I had that one outlooked, I think for, you know, whatever, $300,000. And I was, I was so busy counting on that deal that I let everything else go. Right. I put all my eggs in the one basket, which, you know, I mean, which is why, you know, no matter where you are in your business and everything, it's, it's so important to make sure you have like three times, four times as many, uh, value of the amount of deals that you need to close in a month because anything can fall off or something can happen. And, um, you know, and now in hindsight, as a business owner, I can see when those things happen and I'm like, okay, like, you know, there's, there's something there, like, or there's not something there. Right. And you need to the ability to look farther down the road, especially as a business leader transitioning from sales, which is your own pipeline to now the company and more mouths to feed. It's very real. It it is, you know, I mean, I remember hiring my first employee and having the anxiety of like, Oh my goodness, that was not just me. Like I'm, I'm making someone like count somebody else's counting. It's a very real responsibility, you know, and not to be taken lightly. Yeah. And then, and then you grow, you know, a couple more people and every, cause the first hire is like hard, but then the second hire is a little bit easier. Right. And maybe the third hire now becomes a little bit harder again. Cause you're like, okay. Uh, you know, and I got to a point where like, you know, now I had like, you know, seven hires and I was like, Oh my goodness. Like I'm, I'm feeling like, you know, the, the family of, uh, you know, one of those like, you know, families with all the kids. And yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, and it's like the, this, the Brady Bunch. this mm. is, this is a lot. And, uh, you know, it's, it's important to know that I, I, I truly believe I, when I had a podcast as well, I interviewed the people of, um, barefoot wineries. They were the original mm-hmm. founders of it. And they said, one of the biggest things that they did to transition was that everyone was responsible for the revenue. And so that was, that was something that I wanted to make sure everyone took a cer- certain level of ownership okay. for. Um, but the other thing was throughout all of my roles, I had, I'd always been an individual contributor. I had also never been, you know, nobody had ever reported. Which is a big difference from being on a team. It is. It is. That's a very, there's there's a big psychology to that. You know, and it's, so, I mean, when things don't go your way as an individual contributor, you're just like, okay, you know, you start like, okay, just go do this, go do this or, or help out as a leader. Right. You have to like, you know, try to bring on a little bit more patience and be like, okay, you know, empower the other person. And so Mm -hmm. a lot of the sales skills that I I teach my students, I use it also on my employees. Like, how can we do this better? Right. What, what are you capable of? Because the last thing you ever want to be. It's just good communication, right? At the end of the day. The last thing you ever want to be is the one head, many hands. Because that is a, a breaking opportunity that's going to happen. I want everyone to feel like they have their own level of creativity and empowerment. And at the same time, you know, will take ownership of the successes and the failures. It's, it's such an interesting psychology because now you went from building you know, a, a sales mindset and a series of sales strategies and ways of approach it to now building a culture. Yeah, which is there it's similar you're still selling you're still selling an idea to people that they need to buy into but trying to create that culture beyond yourself that's been that's an interesting transition and I'm empathizing a lot here because I know going through it and you know I think we come out of school and I've talked to friends of mine who've graduated and they're like yeah like there it was kind of like me responsible for me I was told kind of what to do and how to do it yeah. here I'm just given a problem and a whole bunch of people to work with and we have to figure it out. It was like so, such a different mindset. Yeah. And, and I mean, in truth be told, I mean, you know, I have my opinions and I, I believe I know what's right, but who's to say that I actually do know what's right. 
right? Who's to say that somebody else's experience or what they can bring to the table can't also be right or can't also... And in different situations. And, and you know, and we need to, we need to encourage it. And it's hard. Like, it is so hard to be like, mm-hmm. Like, I, I, have, I have two young boys and, uh, you know, one of the Christmas gifts we made for, for their dad was like this hand prints and a, a pretty heart and everything else. And, yep. you know, and I found some inspiration on, online and everything. I'm like, okay, this is perfect. And, and the oldest of the two boys is like, okay, and then we'll take like a Sharpie pen and we'll be like, we love you across. And I'm like, oh my goodness. I'm like, that's going to like totally ruin the aesthetic and how beautiful it's going to look. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And I'm like, Kim, let it go. Like it's, it's not yours. Right. <laughs> it's so funny. I have some friends that have said, you know what? Having kids has made me such a better manager and leader. <laughs> That's so that that is so funny. There's a lot of similarities. I've been told I don't have children. Yeah. But my business partner, I've watched him become a, a much better manager and leader yeah. as he's become a better dad. Yeah. Because there's a level of empathy and understanding and you communicate through options and and not dictatorship and it's a very different it's a very different approach. And when you get That's to be a great the, example. When so you get did to they be the it? fun uncle. Yes. Yes. Yes, they did. Of course they did. They, they did, yes. And uh, you know, but I was like, okay, you know what? Just just let it go. Like at the end of the day, it's That's it, funny. What it, a great example. Yeah. You know, but it, it, there's all sorts of different little things that, I mean, yeah, you know, I, it just release. Right. And it will, I think, you know, when, when you get to a point where you just say, you know what, it's, it's okay. I could either hold on to everything really tight mm-hmm. or I could just choose to just let it be, do my very best, empower others to do their very best and just allow whatever will be it. There is a certain level of room to breathe. And leave I, a little bit of space. Yeah, I think we we all need that. I mean, we were even just talking about even on the you know over the Christmas break and everything, just having that opportunity to say, you know, what, I'm just going to turn everything off and I'm going to reflect, and I'm going to you know just plan and dream, right? I mean, that's it's blue, funny the, the blue sky concept. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. one of the the um, quote unquote fights that my husband and I have bickering. I guess it would be really, that we have the most is that sometimes I need the ability just to dream, and I dream about travel, and I dream about you know, and and I'm like, okay, let's just go down these pass right mm-hmm. and he's he's very much a realist and he's like well you know we need to put a plan we need to make sure you know everything and I said yeah I said but you know sometimes it's okay just to imagine like what would it be like to live in Indonesia for you know two years right yeah. you know let's just imagine what that would look like there's no because, good or bad they're just ideas you know mm-hmm. and and even if you know if it never happens there might be an idea that comes out of it that says oh but what if you did that in your business today or what if you did that uh, that allowed you if you wanted to to go mm. down that path. That's an interesting exercise to just be free to like blue sky, but even just fantasize a little bit like beyond because blue sky thinking sounds like, oh, I'm just thinking broader, but like, no, let's create a fantasy. What, yeah. what, what could it, what would it, what would it be like if we had no limit? What could we do if we couldn't get it wrong? Yeah, if, Holy if you shit. Had, we could do anything. It's amazing. Yeah. If you had to start it all over again, right. What would it look like? You know, if you were a completely different person, like, you know, what would you, what would you do? What would you be like? And, you know, and I think that that is, you know, because I, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, maybe a certain level of me believes that like the multiple universes and everything that there's versions of all of us you know in, mm-hmm. in multiple different times time is no time timelines. space is no space yeah like that whole concept. you know who knows right it's but, all happening simultaneously but you know if you were if you had if you had to choose you know a, a brand new career path or you know if you had to be someone completely different you know maybe it's 20 years ago and you had to take a different path where would you be and what are like you know what do you think those experiences would have been able to contribute to you mm-hmm. and you know and how do you take
take that and, you know, apply it to yourself today. And I think that that it, it's sometimes fun. I mean, it doesn't always have to be the thing, but I, I think it's, it's interesting to imagine what would it be like to, to live somewhere different or to, you know, maybe go after, you know, a different type of clientele or even just vacation somewhere completely differently. Mm-hmm. Right. And how does that make you a different person? Well, I think it lights up different parts of your brain. It does. It does. So the 23 year old introverted spreadsheet enthusiast who's become the perceived extrovert did you have coaches along the way? Did you have was it a lot of books, self learning, ups and downs? How did you how did you how did you evolve to the woman you are today? Yeah, I I mean I, I did a lot of reading. I still do a lot of reading, and I, I read a lot of things on sales, on negotiations, persuasion. Um, I found that all to be incredibly fascinating, and and because it aligns so much towards psychology. Mm-hmm. Right? I took a lot of psychology classes in university because I just loved the idea of really understanding someone's brain. I I was fortunate enough that I I did have mentors, but at the same time, I I don't know if at the time I would have considered them mentors. I think I was was too young to understand that that was a formal, uh, like it wasn't a formal mentor relationship. And I think but these are people that had influence. You had people that have influenced you. They along the they way. did. They influenced you know the sales conversations I had. They influenced the the way that I was perceived by other people in the company uh, because I came across um, you know, some of the feedback I would get was that you know I would I would come across as very you know, bitchy at times, right? Because I was just oh, like you know, that, that can be tough. Uh, uh, that can be hard feedback to get. It, it's it's hard and it's uh, you know especially when you're 23, 24. Well, you, you, you take things just, personally differently. <laughs> than we do the now. The feathers go up and you're like, okay, what? Like, you know. <laughs> what? what? Give me an example. What do you yeah, mean? Yeah, Give, tell me exactly yeah, when I did that. Yeah. And you're like, oh, so you're doing it right now. <laughs> you know, and, um, and it was. That's tough feedback to get though. It's, it was, it was really tough feedback to get. And, you know, and, and I think even from a manager, I, I like to believe that, you know, I maybe strengthened them as a manager as well because they probably looked back on it and they said, okay, well, you know, how else do you, do you appeal to her? And so I had, re- I had to read books like Crucial Conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, they did because I was also considered to be one of the um, the top flyers in the company, mm-hmm. you know, I was given additional time with um, with an, another. They brought on a, a coach um, to to help work with me, a career coach and everything. And so we end up having a lot of conversations, and you know, and it was. At, at the time, I don't know if I was coachable, right? I did take some things that I had learned. Uh, that's a really interesting concept, having a coach, but are you being, are you coachable? Yeah. Oh, interesting concept. I, I felt like I... And this was when you were 20, 24, 25? I was probably, yeah, even 26, 27. That old, right? that Oh, old my goodness. 20, yeah. I, you know, I knew everything in the world, right? And, <laughs> you know, and so it, it was... It, I mean, feedback was a hard thing to get and to be able to, to actually apply it. And there was... I mean, there's a difference between owning yourself and who you are and actually saying, how do I, how do I become a better person? Right. And what, what parts of this, this thing do I leave behind? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Xerox was, was really good. And uh, there's very few places in my life where I, I mean, even still to this day, which is so amazing, every year somebody will send off a message and say, Hey, you know, we're going to have another like little Xerox meeting and we all meet at a coffee shop or like a restaurant or something else at like this. And people that I went, I was working with back in like the early two thousands, we all see each other again. And I've never, 
never had that type of community. That's interesting. Uh, you know, and how long you were there for just under five years, just under five years. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's funny. Cause like all of those people, like the, the 20, 30 people that uh, we had kind of like our, our general t- team of 10, but people kind of came and went and then your support people and everything. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, we'll still meet and we'll have like, you know, the same 20, 30 people will come out all the time. And there's no other company that I would ever work with that. If somebody said, Hey, like, you know, let's have a, an American express and, 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 and alumni, alumni meeting. Yeah. <laughs> That's really interesting. That says a lot about their culture. They created that. It, they, it says, and I don't know what it was, but it was, I mean, there's something there. If, if you can harness that magic that they created in just those years, because I've, I've, what I've heard is that it was never really the same right. as what it was. And if you could harness that magic, right? I mean, that is incredible. Well, it's timing, it's people, it's leadership. There's so many factors that go into baking that oh. cake. It's, you know, and I mean, and it, it's silly. Like, I mean, I remember hating, like, and we were like the iconic bullpen with Nerf guns, like going off. <laughs> I, I and, can picture you it. You know, like, like, you know, you had like. It's boiler you know, room. Oh, sure. it was total boiler room. It was total boiler room, right? These like half cubicles, right? And everyone could hear every conversation and everything. And, uh, you know, but it was, you know, and I used to like, I used to just drive me because at the time I was the only woman in the bullpen too. And so I was like, going to ask if there was any challenges because the, the, the woman I spoke to about this before, Alice Wheaton, she was, I think the first, one of the first women ever hired Yeah. at the time they, they had to ask her husband permission if he could work there. And he laughed. He's like, have you met Alice? Are you insane? <laughs> and I asked her kind of about it. She goes, Tyler, I'd never noticed because I never even thought about it, nor did I even give it a chance. Like yeah. no, it never held me back. Yeah. The only woman, was that a, did, did was that a, f- was that an advantage or did it hold you back? Oh, my, no. Feels like it could be an advantage knowing you a little bit. We, well, it, I, 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 like, and the, my cockiness side of it, right? I remember like telling like my manager, I'm like, you realize like, you know, you can't even fire me because like, <laughs> like I'm your diversity play, right? And I was like, I really shouldn't have said that to my manager. See, uh, that's, but- that's what you learn when you get older. You might think that, but you don't say it. But when you're 23, you say you it because you're cocky. Oh yeah, you were super cocky. Yeah, so cocky. And, uh, but uh, I mean, it was, it, I, I struggled with parts of it because I mean, all of the, all of my male colleagues, I mean, they would have poker nights or they would all go for drinks or right. golfing and things like that. And, and, and you I wasn't, didn't get invited. I, I wasn't invited. Um, you know, and, and there's part of you that isn't like, nor do you want to, because it's a very male centric conversation. I know, but you want to be invited so you can at least say no. <laughs> I know, I know, right? Yeah. Um, that so, inclusion is very real and, I, it, and it can be very alienating in those types of cultures. And you just pick the classic, talk about sports, go play poker, yes. go on a golf trip, like go to the peelers. Like you talked about all the quintessential guy stereotype things. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, you know, and I mean, I was, I was Amy Santiago. If you watch like Brooklyn nine, nine, like I had yep. my like, b- business suit and everything and I would come in on time and like do my work and, and everything else. And, you know, it, it, it also changed the way I became a salesperson though, because you know, from that male domination, I mean, it was just about, you know, go do what you need to do and go get it done. Right. The, the, the kill and eat mentality, right. We're hunters and we go, out there. And, you know, and even though I I saw myself as that very determined, dominant figure, there was also a part of me that really wanted to, to feel like I could nurture somebody, like I could take care of my clients, that I could help them more. And this became a real, uh, like a real uh, conflict in in myself because I ended up having to do more and more of check my emotions at the door and leave it and, you know, and not take everything personally. And and there's certain things that you you definitely need to take on, you know, don't take the sales personally. I mean, it is what it is. But at the same point, you know, don't leave so much emotion at the door that you look at everybody as a pure transaction. 
transaction, right? Once that's a risk. You'll lose your humanity in that. It, it is. And it, you know, it was one of the reasons why I think I eventually left Xerox. I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but it was, it, it changed the way I did sales. And what, you know, by the time, you know, through iterations, I eventually came to American Express. It was very much that side, um, which then led on to, you know, the greater journeys of saying, you know, I don't even feel like I'm a person. I feel like I'm a facade of a version of myself. Interesting. And, and I don't, I don't. And you start like to not that. recognize yourself in the mirror. That's a, those are tough days. When, when you can't, when you don't even like love who you are anymore, right? You're just, mm-hmm. you're, you wake up, you go do what you need to do and everything feels so goal oriented that you forget to just enjoy the moment and provide gratitude for what you have. And, and there, you know, after a few years of this, I mean, I became, you know, very unhappy. I became, you know, because my expectations were all the way up here. Like every deal I work on, I should be able to close. And every conversation I have, I should be able to like, you know, turn into something, but, and here's my reality. Right. And, you know, and yeah, there's going to be things that are going to happen that are out of our control. Right. I mean, the economy sucks and all of our clients are going to like, you know, stop paying us. And this was back in 2008. Eight, um, when you know everything shrunk, yes, right. and it was like you know where were you working at the time in 08? I was at Xerox. At oh, the still time. at Xerox. Okay, I was, and and so I was at Xerox, and the the conversation. The I remember sitting there and be like, okay, there's always money somewhere. There's always money somewhere, right? Someone's got money, and uh, you know. And I remember doing a review with my manager, and he he said to me, he's like, Kim, you haven't made your budget numbers for the year, and I said, like, no, Terry. I'm like. I'm like, nothing has been approved through finance. I said, if you look at every single deal that I've technically closed, I said, I've actually surpassed my budget. So I've done my job, job, right? So don't hold what I've done. You know, again, I said, I've come up with some real creative things and everything. And if right. the company's going to, you know, say that it's not acceptable, then you can't hold Right, so that. the deal still has to get approved by finance. Yeah. Okay. So, but at the end of the day, and I think like, you know, as we kind of go through this, I mean, you know, we have to continue to, because... <laughs> The economy just ebbs and flows all the time, right? There's, there's as, it always, will, as it will continue to do. You know, as true today as it was yesterday, yes. right? And, you know, there's always money somewhere. And these are the times that, you know, tenacity and resilience will really determine the, the haves from the have-nots. Grit. <laughs> the concept <laughs> of grit, which really is what separates at the end of the day. Yeah, you know, I mean... In sales, our, there's, no, there's no better or, or more real job that requires grit. Because you, you can be on top of the world one day and, like... Hey, it's the new month. What have you sold? What have you sold today? You're only as good as your next deal, yes. right? Your and next I, deal, not your last deal. No, yes. and you know, and I like, yeah, that was like we get all excited. We'd ring the gong and sign the deal and everything. And oh, you then, guys rang the bell, and, course, and yeah. you know, and write the number on the board so everybody could see it. And the manager would be like, "Okay, congratulations. Now, what are you closing next?" Yeah. Right. Like that was that was the only thing that mattered. And, you know, and I th- number one, I think we need to we take a little bit of time to appreciate even the small successes. That was the one thing I took away at, at American Express because the deal sizes were so much larger. The clients we were working with were so much bigger. And my manager says, Kim, I know you you got excited every time you close a deal every month. He's like, I need you to be excited every time you close a meeting. He's like, if somebody can agree to a meeting with you, he's like, you need to celebrate that. Change the scale, change right. the scope of the wins. Yeah. And uh, and so it was. It's good, it's good advice. You, you have to celebrate what you have to celebrate. And, you know, when we're in our sales training cl- classrooms, I mean, those are the things that I tell people. I said, revenue will always be the lagging indicator. 
right? It's the number of meetings and conversations that you have, which will be the leading indicator. Measure that and like measure your success based on how many meetings am I having a month, right? Or a week. And I love working with weekly numbers because you can easily see it, but how many meetings do I have? How many? Because you can see it at at one glance. And I think there's a lot of power in that. You can. If you've got to sit there and figure out what you're looking at, it's already lost its effectiveness. It's, you know, and, and if you're sitting there and hoping to measure the revenue, that's, I mean, I, I wish we were all in a position where, you know, people could come to our website and do a buy now button for $20,000, $50,000. I put in your credit card and just, (laughs) by now you've realized if you click the red button, you can, you can buy now. The the video was so compelling, right? Unless you're Elon and then you're selling, uh, you know, trucks and you're asking for, I think, what was his truck? Like a hundred dollar deposit or something? Yeah, it was something, a friend of mine just bought one and told me about it, but yeah. Um, Absolutely. That's the quantum leap, right? When you give someone something that there's been so much either brand affinity or hype or that they just jump there. But typically it's not like that. Those are unicorns. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, but you know, I mean, he's, uh, he's built, you know, a lot of things on like, I mean, you, had it been anyone else, right? I mean, it of wouldn't, course, it wouldn't sometimes have been the case. It is, it, all the elements line up to make you know, that true. H- hands down though. I, I, I want my, I want my legacy to be that, you know, people, I, maybe I didn't necessarily change the world, but maybe like my message, maybe what I taught when it came to sales was enough to inspire someone to go out and change right. the world. And, and that's, I mean, I, I looked at it, yeah, I spent some time, you know, on stage and everything, but where I want to say, you know, when, when it comes to my, my tombstone at the end of the day, I yes. want to be like, you know what, she was the one that was like in the background for so many people, right? She was like the one cheering everyone on or giving you the, like the skill set, you know, cause I feel like that is like the ripple effect. I could either be the, the moment that the, the coin drops in the pool, or I could be the ripples that happen, you know, three, four rings. Out. Which is very, you said you made the transition from being the kind of the, 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 the out there, the hunter yeah. to now teaching people to hunt. Yeah. It's a very different transition. You have to find Find your like you back to your what what rewards you personally. You've got to readjust what that is because you're now excited whenever they get a deal. I I am and I or I, have a breakthrough of some kind. I, I encourage them. I mean we we do a little like we talk about our, our hatred for Facebook, but we still use Facebook, right? So we have a little close Facebook group where we include all of our graduates and everything. And I encourage Facebook them. Facebook can be used for good. As it well can as be evil. used for good. We're just gonna we're, yeah. we're gonna focus on the good. We'll focus on the good. But we we encourage like you know the students to come back and and celebrate their wins because sometimes especially as entrepreneurs or business owners it can be very very lonely and you're yes, you know can. you're afraid to brag about the wins or the successes that you have especially yeah. as Canadians especially as Canadians because we definitely have that stereotype right? we don't we don't want everyone to be successful we don't want them to be more successful than us and there's this weird psychology sometimes yeah that's another that's another podcast and it to itself but yeah we don't want and so I'm like you know like but in creating a peer it. you're creating another community which is like back to hearkening some of your those fond memories you have of yes. like you know as maybe as dysfunctional as that Xerox family was it was still your Xerox family at the they, time they were still my Xerox family you know, those, and those Nerf gun know, poker playing crazy guys. I mean, some of them are, I mean, they will be my friends for life. Right. right. And you know, and there's very few people well, that shared experience. That's a really cool example. Yeah. You know, and there's, I mean, there's very few people that, you know, you could feel like you can always rely on it. And, and when you've turned, you know, even your own clients into, to not just champions for your product, but champions for them and their product as well, it becomes that, that massive mutual benefit. And it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, they have to be out there promoting 
me so much in getting some affiliate or, you know, I have to be at that, but I, right. I have like, you know, I have to be willing to say, I believe in them and they believe in me. And sometimes that's enough, right? Just to know that you have champions in your corner. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, and then teaching, teaching business owners to, to go out and become hunters and, and have, you know, a, a skill set, a process that they're using and they're implementing all the time. I mean, that was trading a sales training company was really difficult because after doing it for 10 years, I had to go back and try to remember what was it like in my first Yeah, days. you had to go kind of unpack it and then start over again. Yeah. Because like, there's things that you would now just take for granted that someone's like, I wouldn't know to do that unless you taught me. Yes. You know, I mean, you know, and I, like, I mean, the analogy I use, I said like, you know, if you're a golfer, right? I mean, learning to golf is not the same way as when you play golf, right? You would never stand at a tee for the very first time and try to like swing like all the way through the back. And, and I'm like, your ball would be like all over the place. And because that's how you see other people do it doesn't mean that that's how you start, right? right? You, mm. you know, you're much better, you know, doing like small little, uh, T shots, right? One move knowing, at a time. One move at a time. Knowing exactly where your ball is, right? Yeah, you might you might end up getting like you know twenty like twenty shots or something on a hole, but at least you know where your ball is, right? Versus trying to like you know. It's a good metaphor. <laughs> yes, that's a good metaphor. Where's the ball? I don't know. I just whacked it, and now I don't know. I'm gonna go walk around for twenty minutes and find it. And everyone's but, like, but did really? You see Are you? It? Like- <laughs> Do you see the, the, the huge, like, like yeah. over-exaggerated swing? That's that's such a good, yeah, know, know, know where your ball is. So going forward, it's 2020. Yes. We're looking at the new year. What's on deck for you for your business? Oh, my goodness. Uh, I mean, I have, I mean, I have some, some really big and ambitious dreams. Uh, our, like, honestly, the biggest thing that I'm excited about this year is that we are going to be launching our web series. So we spent, uh, I, I ended up, um, if, if you think it's tough enough to try to learn how to sell and to, to make phone calls to brand new clients and everything, now try to do it with like a whole camera crew in front of you. And thankfully, we had some very brave companies that signed up on board and said, yes, we're willing to do that. So I'm going to do a little shout out to, to Land Solutions and Goodpin and Classic Media. Oh, Land Solutions, you're working with Chad? Yeah, uh, not not Chad, uh, Land Solutions with Mark Allison. Okay. Okay. Uh, so they were, I mean, phenomenal people, great um uh, just great sports about the whole thing, right? Because, you know, it's like, I knew how to do the process. I didn't know what the, the web series portion would look like, but like, you know, let's just have faith that this is going to be something that works. And so, so we did all the filming and everything. I'm currently in the process of bringing on a couple sponsors and everything, and then we will go ahead and do a massive launch. So congratulations. I mean, That's a big project. Th- thank you. It's, um, it's a huge, huge project. Um, it probably almost killed me a couple times. <laughs> I appreciate your honesty. It all looks glamorous from the outside, but like, let me tell you how hard this actually was. Oh my goodness. It's, I mean, every, there's so many aspects that are really difficult with it, but I, what I wanted to share was number one, the, the story of what it was like to learn sales, because I think a lot of us, you know, understand that the value of having a sales process and everything, but to actually Mm -hmm. watch companies go through the struggles, um, was really important for me. Um, and number two, to, to have this story where you could actually watch these, these individuals grow and develop and become passionate about their companies again because yeah, that's super inspiring you know sometimes when we when we're working on a business right we, we are passionate about it at the beginning and then all of a sudden it starts to feel like, oh, like it can this beat you becomes, up it can totally beat you up can, that's reality you know and when you you start often to, not talked about though because it's the we it's the superhero business leader or the superhero salesperson it's like almost hollywood like they never have a second thought and never have a bad day yeah that's not how humans function yeah yeah <laughs> it, well, we, we're a roller coaster <laughs> we are and you know and it, it's you know it's a hard you know the irony, I think you get to a certain level. This is probably 
kind of going back to one of the first conversations that you and I have, you get to a certain level in your business where when you first start and people ask you how you're doing, everything is always fine or it's great or it's like, you know, built up. It's like, oh my goodness. So leaving my job was the best thing I had ever done. I am like, you know, and then as you sit there in front of like a blank computer, and you're like, wait, aggressively waiting for the phone to ring. Um, and then you get to a certain level. <laughs> aggressively waiting. <laughs> I get, I've been there. And then you get to a certain level where, you know, things are happening and, you know, business is starting to build. And then you feel like, you know, you're like, I have nothing to hide. Like I can just go ahead and be more honest. I can tell people that this is hard or it's not hard. And then you get to a point where maybe you've been a little bit too honest and people, people avoid you when things are hard. Cause they're, Oh, I, I, I can't talk to Kim. Kim is like, might be a sinking ship right now. All right. And it's like, no, no, no. I'm just going through a hard time. Right. Like it doesn't mean that, you know, I'm not going to get through it. It means that, you know, I'm just, I'm just going through it. And so to, to capture that story on film with some of these, but not to say that any of them were going through that, yeah. but, but we have no, these I've, moments. Yeah. Right. And especially over the course of, you know, in this case, it was 10, 12 weeks of filming. Over the course of 12 weeks, I mean, you get to see them go on these natural roller coasters. Yes, I got the meeting. Oh, no, you know, it's something's been delayed. And, and yes, and it's about, okay, you know, you're cheering them on. And I think we need more, we need more entertainment that is going to be educational, that you feel like you are going to cheer people on, on not the, the king of the castle mentality. I'm only going to rise yeah. because I'm pushing everyone else down. But rather, how do we make help? Make it more real. How do we? Well, we talked about the hero's journey earlier yes. and I'm a big fan and so are you yeah. if you let it roll out life is that oh. it's the hero's journey you have a challenge you rise to the occasion you overcome some obstacle and you get a resolution at the end and then the recycle is constantly repeating while overlapping on itself at the same time it's naturally happening I think that's why so many stories use well that's why all good stories use that formula because that's life well you know the, the reason why the hero is the hero is because they inspire people and they bring more people along on that journey with them right mm -hmm. i mean this is you know if the tree falls in the woods and there's no one to hear right is the hero the hero if they don't you know bring anyone else along with them or inspire someone else to take their own journey or to go on their own adventure later on right i mean it's we're not solitary beings and we need to be much more vulnerable and authentic and when you do that nothing but good will happen of it because some people, some will, some won't move on. Some people will resonate with your message. Some people will, will not. Okay. But the people that do like they're they yours. Really will. They're I heard yours. one the other day, like we, we want to trust and then we're vulnerable. But the second we're vulnerable, we create trust. Yes. And I'm like, get the order right. And I thought that's so interesting because I think we've grown up in a world where it's a little bit like, no, no, everything's perfect. Oh, yeah. But we all know it's not true. That's it's, part of why I did this podcast. I get so yeah. tired of someone like, you know, saying, oh, you know, Kim, she's so lucky. Just everything works out for her. I'm like, <laughs> she's my, uh, you know what? Touch. And you know, the first time we met, and I'll <laughs> yeah. harken back to it because what really endeared me to you immediately, we were like, I've just had a shitty time. Yeah. I just, a deal fell through. Like we had met in five minutes and yeah. you were super honest. <laughs> yeah. And I walked away feeling more connected to you yeah. because you're honest. You didn't paint me some picture about Rosie, you know, rose colored, beautiful, are awesome. Amazing. No, you were, and yeah. I think it was a shitty day. And yeah. you, there might even been a tear, but you were so <laughs> honest and so vulnerable. Yeah. And it kind of caught me a little bit by surprise. In a, in a positive way. And I walked away going like, she's awesome. I'm a big fan. Like I yeah. immediately was a fan because you were Thank vulnerable, you. not because you were quote unquote, you were awesome because you were vulnerable, not because it was shiny. Yeah. So kudos to you. So give you direct feedback on, I walked away. Anyone who would mention your name to me, I'd be like, great person. I met her so honest, so vulnerable, yeah. so real. Boom. You should associate with that person because you were vulnerable. So there, there's some direct feedback for you. Thank you. And I, I appreciate that. I, I learned about that. So, I mean, you, we, I, 
back in 2014, I, I had that moment where I actually decided to go and, and sell everything and travel the world. And I mean, you know, we, we talked a little bit about the hero's journey, right? My catalyst for that was I was, uh, I, I was working in for American Express and I just was, I was exhausted. I was, I was depressed, right? I had gone to a psychologist. She says, Kim, you're just depressed. Like, you know, like you're just, you're running into so many different things. She's like, your expectations aren't aligning with where your reality is. She goes, you need to give yourself a break and everything. Um, and then I, so then I was like, okay, you know, let's end everything in a blaze, blaze of glory. I love the extreme. <laughs> Burn it off. Yeah. Yeah, that's- I'm like, you know, get rid of the boyfriend, get rid of the job, get rid of the house. Like, you know, I'm like, what do I really, really want to do? And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go travel the world. And, um, and so for six months I went and I backpacked, you know, across 17 countries. And I decided at that moment that I was going to, there was two things that I was going to do. I was going to write every day and I was going to meditate every day because I, if I ever said that I couldn't find the time, there was literally no reason why on six months of traveling, I couldn't find the time. Right? Like if you can't you remote, find the time. Yeah, you changed the story. <laughs> and so I would write these, um, the first couple of times I would, every day I would blog and I would write these posts and, and, you know, at first it was like, this is what I did on the day and this is what I did on the day. And then I had a couple of days where I didn't really have anything planned. And so I would just write about like what my thoughts were, my fears, like, you know, my heartbreak and everything else like that. And though I, I remember one time sitting there and being so afraid to hit send on this, this blog oh, post. That's when you because know it's it was, real. It was, it was so like it, like I would read it and I, I would write it and I would read it and I would write it and I would read it and like probably three or four edits through and I would still cry every time I would read my own words. And I said, okay, you know what? Just, just submit it. It's not yours anymore, right? Put it out there. And it was, that blog post ended up getting like ridiculously, you know, so many conversations mm. and, you know, and you get the people who are like, oh, you know, thank you. And they're, they're connecting with the story and everything. And then you get the haters, right? Who are like, you know, some person wrote to me telling me that I was like, you know, expletive, expletive, you know, um, uh, crazy and things like that. And I'm just like, well, well thank you for read. Like, obviously you read yeah, it, right? So thank so, you for reading. seems like so unnecessary <laughs> way to respond, but clearly you poked a, you, you hit a nerve with yeah. them. And, so then I'm like, anyways. okay, well, fair enough. But, you know, that was the first time I really learned that, you know, being vulnerable is actually a strength, Right. You know, letting people see your inside. Right. And letting them know what you're afraid of and what you like, who you are is actually a way to help connect more people together. Mm-hmm. People aren't attracted to you because you're shiny. Right. They're attracted to Often you. Often the opposite, actually. Because you're really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's funny. It's something that I think intellectually we can sit here and talk about. And there's probably I'm hoping people listening, nodding their heads. Yeah. But when it comes to the moment of doing it for real, pushing send. Yeah. We'll just call it pushing send. Yeah. On, on being vulnerable. It takes it takes a lot of courage. It it does, and it's it, practice. Uh-huh, nice. Right. I mean, ah, nice way to bring yeah. it back around. <laughs> yes, it's a decision in the practice, and what a great time of year to decide we're going to practice to be vulnerable. It's good old January. Everyone loves to get the right. What am I going to be? I'm going to be more vulnerable in 2020. Yeah. I haven't seen that resolution, but that's a powerful one. I, I think, I, I honestly, I, I the world will be a better place if we if we end up really allowing ourselves to be real and to be in the moment for those who are real because that's the other thing with when it comes to vulnerability don't ignore it right don't uh, like you know um, don't sweep it under the rug oh my goodness um Sheryl Sandberg and Adam Grant wrote a book 
uh, earlier this year. It was actually specifically around sorrow and grief. Okay. And I've heard of it. I've not. Yeah, read it. and I can't even remember the title off the top of my head and everything. But um, but Cheryl Sandberg has an interesting story, right? Um, CEO of Facebook, uh, her famous book Lean In. Uh, but one of the things that um, she ended up, her husband ended up having a tragic um, cardiac arrest while they were on vacation and passed away. And like your heart goes out, like you're, you're one of the probably the most fun times and, you know, and you have to come back on a plane by yourself. Right. And she says, you know, one of the hardest parts was that, you know, as she's going through this, this grieving process and everything, and she goes, number one, people avoided her because they didn't know what to say. And she goes, you know, and I, she's like, those were the people that I just, even if you didn't have anything to say, just show up. Right. Um, she's like, you know, she was always surprised by the people that didn't have anything. And she goes, and encourage people to, to talk about this, right? She's like, encourage people to say, you know what, it's good to have them as a memory, right? Or, you know, what would have, you know, so-and-so thought about this? And, and whether we're talking about grieving of a loved one, or we're talking about maybe grieving, you know, even simple things, right? You know, deals or, you know, the way your business was supposed to land in 2019 and it right. didn't or whatever, right? I mean, you have these moments. There's many where, forms of grief. There, there right. is. I mean, you know, Oprah says it, right? Pain is pain. Right. It doesn't, it didn't matter, you know, what your, what the pain was that it was just, it was pain and whatever that pain is, allow the other person, if they're going to practice vulnerability, practice with them in receiving that and letting them go through it as opposed to avoiding it or providing advice or suggestions. Be like, you know, how, how do you feel right now? Right. How, how are you going to use this to help you strengthen? What do you need? Versus trying to solve the problem. Oh, oh, you know, and, and Which I, it's easy to do. I do that. I'm a solver. Yeah. But it's like, I don't need you to solve. I just need you to listen. I just need you to listen. And being able to identify which, and don't make it about you. Cause yeah. when I'm trying to solve, I'm making it about me. Yeah. I have, I have the solution. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know what? You just need to be here. You just I, need to be here. I think more people need to go through coaching courses. One of the things I teach you in coaching courses is like, you know, would you like me to coach you right now? Or are you open? to being coached right Asking now. Asking permission is powerful right? versus you know? just charging yeah. in yeah. with, yeah. I have all the answers. Yeah. Would, would you I like didn't some have advice? any questions, so no, I don't know what you're trying to <laughs> I just needed to get off my chest. Right? Oh, and it's so interesting. Certainly, back to sales, the amount of opportunities you have to meet people where they are, yeah. to be human, and yeah. they might be having a shitty day. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just not being about there, you. you know, for sure. I, someone told me years ago, they're like, you know, you've made it as a consultant where your your client or your, your someone calls you for something completely unrelated yes. as to what you do just because they value your input. Yeah. And they value how you make them feel at that time. Yeah. And I always, that always stuck with me because someone will call me as some random thing and I'm like, that's a weird, but wow, that's, I'll see it as a, as an awesome. I'll just try to be there for whatever they need and yeah. then move on. Not try to sell them something, not have some big agenda. The agenda is just to be there. The, the, the biggest thing is you should leave every interaction, letting the person feel greater than, right? We, we need to, we need to allow people to feel greater than, and it doesn't mean that we have to solve the problem, but do they feel, you know, better? having met you, having had this conversation. And if, if that has not occurred, you have not done your job as a business person, as a leader, as a spouse, as, you know, I mean, our jobs are to help make other people's lives easier. And sometimes ease just means like just listening. Mm -hmm. Which sounds so passive for type A, super like get her done kind of people that I think I'm saying we, cause I, I feel we have some similarities. We are, we're like, the moment we get off this, like we're going to be able to see like on hustling phone calls. Like. I completely. 
But the the passive solutioning is so. I'm like, okay, I'm just. I just need to be still. Yeah. This now. I'm like, oh, that's weird. I want to move things around. Like we joked about <laughs> earlier. Well, Kim, I must say that you made you. you left me feeling better Aww. than when you came in today. What an inspiring way to start the 2020 podcast. We talked talking about your journey. We talked about sales. Yeah. What really got down to is human interaction. Yes, it, and, it, it you is. You know, it's funny our tone went a little quieter. We started talking a little bit. It's interesting how your whole demeanor changes when you think about that as the yeah. objective versus doing something to someone and selling them something versus just being there and showing up for them. You you, you can be both. And yes, well you, said. You know, you like you don't have to like, you know, go one versus the other. I mean, you know, <laughs> in, enjoy the journey, enjoy getting the sales, celebrate it. And at the same time, I and mean, what's greater than the sale is celebrating a brand new relationship and connection with somebody. And that's, I mean, those are the things that will last past, you know, the 30-day contract. Yes, well said. Well, I think that's a nice place to leave it. Um, Kim, what's the best way for someone to get a hold of you? LinkedIn is always a fantastic place. Uh, You know, I post a lot of content and everything, but, you know, reach out to me and I will get back to you. Um, Otherwise, I mean, you know, come check out my website at kimorleski.com. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Kim. That was a wonderful conversation. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Hello, and thank you for listening to today's episode. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. I want to let you in on a little secret. I absolutely love doing these podcasts. The learning, the people, the curiosity, the insights, the the wow factor of meeting people that I thought I knew and learning their deeper stories really proves the value of what happens when you take the time to be curious and actually care enough to ask. With that, I'm looking for your feedback. I'm looking for your input. I'm looking for what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show, where you'd like to see it headed in terms of guests, in terms of questions, a little bit deeper, please feel free to share. We'd love to get your feedback. Visit us on iTunes, on Spotify. Give us your review. Give us your five stars if you feel so inclined. But more importantly, give us your feedback. Give us your input on what you want to hear on future shows and we will absolutely incorporate it. Thank you again for listening and have an awesome day.